Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They will be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You are encouraged to call in and share your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Are you ready for your dose of hope? You're listening to Pause I Am Radio. Hello, Robert. How are you? You know what? I'm doing good. How are you? I am fabulous tonight. I'm in a great mood for some reason, and I'm happy to be here. You're in a great mood? Yes, I'm in a great mood. Do I sound okay? I there's a first time for everything. Uh-huh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. Can I tell you how so nice to be back in the United States. Oh, yes, because you were in Canada. How was that? It was cold. Isn't it cold in New York, too? Uh, um, Let me tell you, it's like a tropical paradise compared. So how was that trip? Well, it was was good. It was for uh, my day job, you know. So um, I had a few meetings up there and met with my team and and got to spend some time with them. But, uh, oh, my God, you would walk out... And and just your your lungs hurt just from breathing in the air. Oh, it was just really really cold. <laughs> but uh, no, the trip went well. It was it was quick. Uh, it was on. I was there from the um, uh, the what was it the third and came back yesterday yesterday afternoon. So cool. So quick and easy. Quick and easy. Uh, but yeah, no. The um, what am I doing here? Uh, so so we're back in the. I'm back in New York. I'm back home, doing my thing, and uh, just kind of making things happen. And I, I do have well, to tell you though, Charlie the dog is very happy that I'm home. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so so tell me tell us about your week. What was going on? Oh, it was just a, a normal week. I um, went back to work after the holidays, and it was, you know, it was a good, uh, it was a good feeling to get back into the swing of things. Uh, you know, after moving um, back in with my mother, I had to kind of readjust my schedule and, and figure out a way to get to work since now I work in the city. So uh, it was just an adjustment. But you know, now that uh, you know everything's back in the swing of things, and, and it feels good to to be alive. Oh, that's good. That's excellent. Yeah. It's good to be alive. It's good to have a purpose. It feels good to have a purpose. You know, you know, it, it it's funny because what what's the um the the song from Avenue Q, Finding My Purpose, the the guy shows up, you know, this little puppet, he shows up and he wants to find his purpose and he doesn't know what his purpose is and it it's just very it's a it's a funny song and that just reminded me of you. Because you're kind of like um you're you're kind of like a uh um uh, what what should I call you? A uh, why why did that do that? Um, I I would say that you're you're very similar to uh, the puppet who was trying to find his purpose. <laughs> well, you know, it feels good. It just feels good to 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 be here. So uh, I'm happy to be back on the show because we you know we had some weeks off. We returned uh, last week with uh, my friend James, um, who shared his story. So it's just kind of. It's nice to be back in the swing and to have people, uh, you know, just appreciate what you're doing. And, and, you know, Jeremy, you're a big part of that, and I appreciate everything that you do for the show, Um, you know, hosting with me every week and, uh, you know, bringing it to life. Yeah. Are you you sick? No, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cough. I thought I held the the microphone away. No, uh, I just had a little uh, cough, a little phlegm in my throat. That was kind of gross. 
phlegm in the throat. That was kind of gross. <laughs> so I just want to um, remind people who may be listening for the first time um, tonight that we, um, you know, have actually been doing this, geez, Jeremy, we've been doing this since, what, 2007? Has it really been 2007? Yeah, so yeah. We're, going, we're, yeah. we're, like, entering our fifth year, uh, which is exciting. Um and we're here every Sunday night at 9 o'clock, and what we do is we offer a, a space for people to share their story, whether it's living with HIV or talk about the organization that they're running or the work that they do. Um, so uh, if you are willing to share your story publicly on air, you can contact us. It's a radio show. Uh, you can go ahead to the website, posim.com, and send your information there, your bio and phone number, and we'll get a hold of you. Because we're looking for upcoming guests for uh, January and February. Um, we did have some awesome guests in the month of December, and I just kind of wanted to go over uh, who we had on. Wait, before we do that. Yes. Happy New Year, everyone. Was, was, have we not had a Happy New Year show? No, but, we haven't. No. Right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2013. And. Um, Yours truly, uh, this month, is getting ready to celebrate uh, my, um, my. let's see, what year is this? This is 2007, 2013. Uh, I am celebrating 15 years this, this month. Wow. Wow is right. Holy cow. Boy, I feel old. Um, so congratulations on that and thanks for sharing because it's important for people who are newly diagnosed to to know that there is hope and hearing that you know that you're going into your sixteenth year is is an abundance of hope for somebody who is newly diagnosed listening for the first time tonight. Um I did want to mention some of the shows. I kinda of forgot because when we had James on last week it was the thirtieth, so it actually wasn't the New Year. So I apologize for not starting off with a happy new year to everyone. Um what did you do for New Year's, Jeremy, since we're talking about that? Uh, let's see, what did I do? Well, Louie and I just um, yeah. stayed at home, and we were able to reconnect. That's and, awesome. Uh, it, it, was, um, it, it was nice. It, it was just nice to, you know, hang out, cuddle, do other other things. And... Um, and <laughs> So, so those of you who, who uh, just just so you know, um, just because you might have HIV and you're living with it doesn't mean that your sex life and your love life goes away. Living proof. That is true. Um, but anyway, yeah. uh, no, so we just stayed in. Um, we watched the ball drop with uh, Louis, um, with Louis' roommate and, and and the roommate's girlfriend, and we just, and it was nice. It was just a very nice and laid-back um, New Year's Eve. It, it was just, I, I, I loved, I just loved every minute of it. What you No, yeah, that's awesome. Um, actually, I, uh, this was my first New Year's single, so I uh, went out with a friend of mine, and he went to a party, so I went to a, a party of total strangers, and, and actually had a blast uh, meeting new people, and you know, creating new friendships with people and just bringing in the new year. Um, we watched a little bit of fireworks while walking around in South Philly uh, playing a, a catchphrase, which is a game. Um, you know, just, just going around celebrating the new year. It was a, di- a different kind of new year. It was the first new year that I actually did not watch the ball drop, um, did not watch uh, Ryan Seacrest bring in the new year, rocking it in instead of Dick Clark. So it was it was an interesting and different kind of new year that I've ever experienced, but it was fun, you know. It was memorable. I, it was just nice to be out and to meet different, to de- meet new people. You know what? That and, and sometimes that is nice, just to get out there, meet your people, and 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 uh, and, and and mingle. You know, because that's what it's all about. Right. So, so um, I'm I, I want just... an imaginary. I'm holding up an imaginary cocktail because it is sober January, everybody. Um. I'm holding up my imaginary cocktail or imaginary drink, and I just want to wish Happy New Year to everybody, onwards, upwards, and healthy, healthy living. And I agree, and I'll sip my iced tea on that one. Um, I did want to mention um, the past shows that we did have in December, in case you missed some of them, because they were pretty amazing. Um, on December 2nd, we spoke with Philip and Justin B. Terry Smith, 
and they talked about being positive foster parents. Um, on the 9th of December, we spoke with uh, Jason Villobos, who um, participated in the Face of AIDS um, campaign series that was put on by The Edge that me and actually James, who was on last week, also uh, participated in. That's how I found him. Awesome guy out in California. On the 16th, we spoke with our good friend Ken Warnock, who came on and shared his personal story, who actually was just mentioning in the chat room that um, he was celebrating, I want to say, was where did it go? In two weeks, he'll be celebrating his 11-year. So congratulations to him. Right. And then James Brennig, um, a local guy here from my area, and a personal friend came on and broke his silence, uh, talked about sharing his um, HIV status and coming out uh, publicly about it on Facebook and Twitter. So it was a... it was a very interesting uh, month for shows. We did have two weeks off due to the holiday. So, um, you know, it was nice. And actually tonight we have on one of my favorite advocates, obviously. Um, he is somebody who I've wanted to get on the show before, but I know he's very, very busy. Um, I've hung out with him at different conferences, and he's just, I don't know, he's smart, he's funny, he's good-looking. He's just one of those people who um, – you know, it's is just fun to be around. Uh, I remember one of the conferences we went out, and a whole bunch of us uh, went to dinner, uh, the Pazai Emmers, and, and it was a great time, and he, he joined us. And, you know, he's amazing. He does great work with um, AIDS Healthcare Foundation, and he also was uh, nominated um, and actually was awarded Emerging Leader, I believe a 2011 Emerging Leader, ADAP Leader, from the ADAP, ADAP Advocacy Association. That is the biggest tongue twister every time I have to say it. Uh, 2011 Emerging ADAP Leader. Um, so please help me welcome Jason King to the show. Hey, Jason, are you there? Hi, I'm here, yes. It's good to have you, man. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. Welcome uh, welcome to Florida. Well, I'm in Florida. Yeah. Where are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, Jer- Jeremy's in New York. I'm in New York City. Okay, well, I feel like you should be down here with me. It's a little warmer. <laughs> well, I'll is that an invite in March? <laughs> yeah, well, it could be an invite. You know, I have an empty house. I've two two roommates moved out, so I'm all by myself. Uh, I'm making wow. a trip to Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah, I it, it was rather crowded today, trying to get down to the beach. So you may want to wait a little bit until season's over. <laughs> there, yeah. Right. I hear you. So how have you been? Uh, very well. Traveling a lot. Uh, we have a lot going on in terms of. Uh, lobbying and uh, fighting pharmaceutical companies as we do. That's what we do with AHF. You know, we're always fighting somebody. But um, uh, constantly advocating for uh, HIV patients and consumers. Well, that's awesome. Great. So, you know, we, we, we've we met a few times at different conferences and stuff like that. I, I um, always wanted you to come on the show and talk about your story. And then I just recently saw that there was an article written um, about you and I want to say, I don't remember the newspaper. What was the newspaper, was it? It was South Florida Gay News. South Florida Gay News. And I saw that, and I was like, wait a minute. Let me let me contact him now. Just, it was kind of like perfect timing because I was looking for people, and like I said, you're somebody I always wanted to have on and never really reached out to because I know you're a busy guy. you got a lot of stuff going on. Um, so I'm glad that you were able to make some time to uh, talk with us tonight. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, uh, I'm really honored to actually be on your show Uh we we've been talking about this for some time actually i'm uh, i'm glad i hope you read the second edition of whatever you read in sfgn because the uh the first edition was kind of botched so they had to uh to rewrite it and they gave a little bit more uh accurate information so i'm i'm not sure if you saw both but <laughs> uh, uh, i saw one i know how you know writers can kind of twist your words and ah, stretch the truth yeah. a bit well that happens yeah yeah so 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 take us back. Tell us a little bit about um, when you were diagnosed and what that process was like for you. Mm. Well, um, I I, uh, I tell this story sometimes. It, it tends to alleviate um, uh, some fear and um, and uh, yeah, anxiety for for new patients. Uh, I was diagnosed. Well, it will be seven years come May of uh, of this year, and. Um, I was 19, so I, I always say this, but it's it's actually quite um, well to me. It's quite important. Uh, you know, I've never really known my my adult life without it. I mean, I guess you could say one year, perhaps from 18 to 19. But um, during that time, I, I 
I was, uh, you know, you, you do what you do when you're 18. I was a, I was a little rebellious, and um, I wasn't living with my parents, and uh, I was living with friends and, and uh, frankly, with strangers, too. And um, just making a lot of, you know, crazy uh, life choices. And I... I um, you know, I I, I did. I, I had a I had a, a I had a a very um, interesting recreational, um, uh, you know, a- atmosphere activity, and uh, yeah, that that took place for some time. I was dating this really cute Asian kid, but born and raised in France, and and we had a lot of fun together. But you know, I got involved in what I did and and uh, made a lot of uh, choices. And uh, I was 19 when I was diagnosed. Like. He he actually um I I'll be frank it was a it was a um I wouldn't call it an addiction but maybe a uh a, a, an excessive crystal meth um preference and uh you know he he actually this this boyfriend at the time had to move back to France where he's from and he uh he he got clean he lived there and he he did fine and uh I I stayed here it was actually quite devastating um, at the time, my mom had kicked me out, and she said, "You know, you you need to get clean before you can come back and live in my household." And um, and 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 so I did. But during which time, uh, he, he you know he was gone, and I was still um, trying to get clean. And I uh, I actually zero converted, and it was kind of a strange strange experience. I was living in a city called Whittier, which is uh uh. Uh, I don't know, maybe about 20 miles uh, south uh, south uh, east of Los Angeles, and um, I went to the local health department, and uh, I, I was feeling sick, and I got I got diagnosed, and um, I must have been let's see I would have been 19 at the time, and um, I quit everything I quit I quit smoking drinking you know meth drugs sex for that matter everything you name it. And uh, for some time, and um, you know, it's a very young age to uh, to experience something like that. And you know, I've I've always had to grapple with trying to make adult decisions from that point forward. And uh, and I and I and I think I have, um, but it was challenging. You know, disclosure was always a challenge. Sex, relationships, things like that, uh, they were always a challenge until. But frankly, until uh, not not too long ago, maybe uh, four years ago, um, I, I started to find that I could have relationships with people who were who were not positive. I was in a lot of um, uh, zero discordant relationships, and they were they were thriving. And 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 frankly, the the zero status, the you know my being positive, really had not a whole lot to do with whether those relationships thrived or not. It was uh, you know. The issues that occurred were always unrelated to that, and you know, when I moved to uh, Florida, I'm, I'm originally from Los Angeles. When I moved to Florida, um, the person with whom I moved, it, it um, he really taught me that I could be loved as a person who was positive, where he wasn't, and we could have a thriving, successful. Uh, safe relationship, and he's still negative to this day. And I, I, I didn't have to worry about someone judging me or making me feel lesser than him or uh, dirty or, or, or any of those kinds of uh, uh, pejorative sentiments that sometimes one might be made to feel. And um, since then, I've, I've, I really haven't had a problem with disclosure. And frankly, it's you know, they they say the truth sets you free, and mm-hmm. I wish sometimes it were so clear cut and black and white. But um, it has a little bit. It has a little bit. You know, I, I can do that now much more easily because of the the experience I had with him. And uh, and 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 frankly, I just kind of want to be a better example, considering not only who I work for, but because of what I've learned for the company I work for, uh, what kind of person. I should be and who should, we should strive to be. My ultimate goal is to just try to reduce stigma and not not only in this country but, but within our own uh, gay community. So so let me ask you this when you were diagnosed how did you find support? You know, health departments can be sometimes um challenged and uh mm-hmm. 
a little bit overburdened. I wasn't really given a, a whole lot of uh, tangible uh, resource. I was handed a paper, and they said, you know, well, at the time I had an, an, an what they perceived to be an addiction problem. For me, it was just a, you know, uh, uh, you know, just an an, an overuse and excess of uh, of fun, if you will. And um, you know, they said, well, you should go to this place and that place. And and really, what I needed was a peer advocate just to get me into services. And you know, it seems like such a long time ago now. Um, I was born in Huntington Memorial Hospital in Pasadena, California. And uh, I think I may have just contacted the hospital to find out if they had any resources. And they actually directed me to an office. And uh, they received um, Ryan White Part A funding. And I was able to go there. And that particular office was kind of interesting because it was um, kind of a guinea pig office, if you will. I... uh, they had a lot of students there that were studying infectious disease that they would bring through and they would evaluate patients and and uh it was interesting i had a, a, a at the time it was a she, she was a good doctor uh she had a lot of um experience back since the begin- the early beginnings of the epidemic and and she has a lot of um activity in in africa her name is kimberly schreiner and she's my first doctor and um, <clears throat> she acquainted me with different programs, and actually, AHF, the company I now work for, uh, you know, they pay for some some medical procedures I needed to have back then and there in Los Angeles. Um, but uh, that 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 was my first that was my first experience with the uh, the public program, and and I was with the public program for quite some time until I moved to uh, Fort Lauderdale, where I'm now employed and I have insurance. But um, it was. It was it was very interesting. I don't really recall, you know, back then, um, you know, there weren't there was there wasn't a lot of peer navigation. You know, you got tested and you were given a phone number and then they funneled you to the next place and they they kind of acquainted mm-hmm. you with, you know, one, uh, situ you know one um, uh, aspect of the whole enrollment process and then you were funneled to the next thing and then then to the next thing. You know, it was it was a can it was a constant cattle call if you will but um and i and i imagine it's like that for a lot of people still but that's just kind of how government programs work <laughs> yeah unfortunately so so tell me this how did you um how did you tell your family <clears throat> so i tell this story a lot because i actually think it's funny robert you probably have heard this before but um you know uh i i got kind of sick and I, I it wasn't too much of a shock i kind of felt it uh, was going to happen, but um, my my mom was turning 50 that year, and my stepfather and she were going to go to Las Vegas for a Madonna concert, and um, you know I got I got tested. I think it might have been on a Thursday, and they were leaving that weekend to go to the concert, and I totally didn't say anything because I, I didn't want her. Well, I didn't want her one to miss a uh, the Madonna concert. It was during her confessions tour. <laughs> So I wanted her. I wanted her to go and see it, and especially since it was her 50th birthday. So I didn't say anything for a whole week, and then, and then, uh, you know, she came back, and it was, you know, my, my friends came and picked me up from the whole ordeal, and we we went and got drunk and smoked, and we did the, you know, the whole thing just to, to grapple through it, and um, and then she came back, and and I, and I told her, and, and frankly, neither one of us really were very. Uh, Acquainted with the whole situation, or you know what what could be done, whether it was still um, a death sentence or not, or and and this is indicative of the of the of the lack of education that still exists in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, even back then, I, I I mean, I can imagine it's similar now. Um, I, I talked to my brother; he's he's 21, and he's you know he's been in the high school system as of late, and uh, you know they they don't talk a whole lot about it, and my mom didn't know a whole lot about it, and. And um, we we were scared, you know, naturally. So, you know, she was she was pretty devastated. But, um, you know, they 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 were accepting my 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 mother, my stepfather, my father. You know, everyone was uh, supportive. And um, my mother was my greatest advocate. You know, she took me to to every appointment and 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 procedure and whatever uh, you know whatever the circumstance was. She was a part of um, helping me uh, improve my health outcome during those times. It was uh, she was a blessing. So 
And it's not like that for everybody, and I was just very fortunate. That, that, that's, well, that's awesome. That, 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 that's fantastic. How did your friends take it? I mean, um, when, when you were explaining this, you know, I mean, you're obviously explaining this to your parents. You're explaining this to your family. What about your friends and, uh, and, and subsequently going into dating? How, how do you negotiate that? Uh, going into what now? Dating. Ah, well, um, <clears throat> you know, my, my, the first friends to know were actually, I, I had kind of a, uh, unlikely group of friends when I, um, when I was going through those times, uh, when I was 19 and I had a lot of friends from high school still. And I, I had a lot of straight male friends and they were very protective of me for whatever reason. I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to go into that right now, but uh, they were they were very protective of me, and they uh, they were there for me. They were the actually they were actually the ones that came and and uh, to you know to care of me when I was uh, when I had just been diagnosed, and 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 they were pretty shaken up themselves. Um, they 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 took it quite fine actually. Um, the 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 worst persecution actually came from. Uh, Sadly enough, the gay community, um, which I think is is the endemic problem uh, within our community, mm-hmm. which is why a lot of people don't want to get tested, um, and 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 that actually you know leads to uh, further infections. But you know, it, it, it took a couple of years for me to become comfortable with um, <clears throat> with uh, just being very open about my diagnosis and. Uh, as of late, over the past four four years or so, um, I just I don't care. I mean, if if uh, you're so ignorant that you couldn't possibly um, understand that this virus does not does not uh, choose based on a demographic, it just it just occurs. It, it it can happen to anyone at any point. And you know, if if you if you don't understand that um, and you don't accept it as a as a uh, you know, a scientific consensus, then I don't want to be around you, you know. So I, I kind of had to just adapt or adopt, I should say, that uh, philosophy. And it became it became quite easy over time. Eventually, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, especially, in, uh, you know, Fort, Fort Lauderdale is a little bit different. Uh, you know, the, the, the 21 most um, metropolitan cities in the country uh, have a, 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 an alarming, staggering, uh, HIV rate. One in five gay men, and I'm sure you've probably mentioned this on your show before. One in five gay men has HIV, and of those one in five, 50% don't know it. So it's a it's a large population of people who has uh, this disease. And you know, if you're a sexually active person and you've been with more than 20 people, the likelihood of you having been with someone who's HIV positive, whether you knew it or not, or whether they knew it or not. Uh, you know, is uh, it, it's probable. So, you know, I, there are more and more there are more and more people who understand this reality. And as soon, uh, over time, when I came to understand that people understood this reality, and so did I, it became easier to tell people. And frankly, I, I you know I don't I don't normally get um, a uh, an abrasive reaction. Normally it's very supportive and normally it's very um, empathetic. So, uh, you know, it it, it 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 took some time just for me to grow up, and you know, I'm 26 now. Uh, it's it's been quite some time. But, um, wow, 26. Well, I was nine. I was 19 when I was diagnosed. So it's 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 it's. it's yeah, yeah. Jeremy's jealous. I am jealous. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? I'm quite jealous because um, you're truly pushing the 40 mark. <laughs> well, sometimes I feel that way, but uh, Look sometimes you. I guess. Huh? Oh, what's that? Look, you. It only gets better with age. Okay. Like a like a like a good wine, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes the wine can turn vinegary and bitter. Well, that's that's if it's stored improperly. You're right. Exactly, because it hasn't been corked. <laughs> right. If the cork is dry, don't drink it. Exactly, don't drink it. Oh God. Oh, did we just go there? I can't believe we just did. 
Of course you did. <laughs> of course I did. So it is the bottom of the hour. We are talking with Jason King, um, talking about his uh, story about uh, being HIV positive, and uh, and I and uh, and and talking about uh, his advocacy work, which we're going to come back to in the second half of the show. But first, uh, let's take a really quick break, and then we'll be right back in just a few seconds. I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good, but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love, and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to age, but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the Naked Truth, Marvin Brown, and I am greater than age. And we are back live on Pause I Am Radio. Jeremy Don Robert Parning and our fabulous guest, Jason King. Jason, are you with us? Yes. Cool, cool, cool. So listen, let's let's move into uh some of the some of the things uh, that you're doing now. Let's talk about your work that you're doing with the AIDS Healthcare Foundation and you know, that organization does a lot of amazing things for people living with HIV. So tell us what you do there and, and how you got involved with them. Well, it was a very interesting relationship. Um my former partner was acquainted with the organization, and um, he encouraged me to apply for a position that was available here in Fort Lauderdale, and I did. And uh, the initial position was um, uh, patient advocacy in the pharmacy division. Our, our organization has a brilliant um, revenue-generating structure. We have a we have several lines of business, and, and w- w- probably the most famous line of business is out-of-the-closet. And um, out-of-the-closet thrift stores... Uh, exist in for, uh, well in Florida, all up and down Florida, California. Uh, I, I don't think we have one in D.C. yet, but I think that's in the works. Uh, and we're quickly expanding. What um, about Philly? Not yet, not yet. <laughs> we should. I'm waiting, man. I'm waiting. Well, we'll have to talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, we 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 you know and and, they, and 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 that line of business generates uh, uh quite a bit of. Uh, quite a bit of money, and then we all, and, you know, everything's donated. And, and, and the, the the unique thing about our organization is 96 cents on the dollar uh, go towards the the care of people with HIV, and that's and that's in terms of HIV care. You know, all of our healthcare centers are an expense. Uh, no matter who walks in the door, if they're HIV positive, regardless of their insurance status uh, or you know um, monetary status, they are treated, they're seen, they're cared for. Um, right then and there, no one has turned away. Um, we have another line of business, uh, the AHF Pharmacy, AIDS Healthcare Foundation Pharmacy, the, which is our, our largest uh, revenue-generating source. And we have several in Florida, uh, Washington, D.C., California, and we just uh, acquired another uh, pharmacy called Mom's Pharmacy, and they'll become an AHF pharmacy as well. And um, that's pretty much where we derive a lot of our our ability to treat patients. We we see patients in over 26 countries around the world. We have more than 180 uh, yeah, 180,000 patients worldwide that we that we service. And you know we're in Africa and Latin America, parts of Asia, Eastern Europe, United States. Well, you know it's, it's a it's a, it's a uh, just a you know broad scope company, and the way I started was within the pharmacy division, and we had a real um, a real precarious situation for AIDS patients uh, back in 2010. There was a national wait list, uh, and, and it particularly affected patients that were in the southeast region of the country. Uh, so that was Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, uh, you know, places like that. Texas, I think Texas had a wait list uh, at one point. I don't think they, they, they didn't have a wait list for very long. But um, it, it was a, a large portion of the southeast region of the country. And at one point, we, the country almost amounted to 10,000 patients on this wait list. And, you know, it was due to a lot of different factors, primarily patients losing um, coverage uh, due, to, due to job loss, uh, you know, rising health care costs. Uh, you know, there, there, were, there were a bunch of different factors. Florida, where I live uh, and where we're, where we're based in the, in the southern region, had the largest wait list. There were 4,000 patients on this wait list. And I got very involved in, in the advocacy for these patients, you know, 
the Florida Department of Health was trying to find ways to reduce the wait list. And, and, and at one point, they, frankly, they tried to um, artificially reduce the wait list by lowering the eligibility guidelines for, uh, for patients. So what they said was, well, at one point you could make 400, up to 400% of the federal poverty level. So that was approximately uh, $44,000 per year for uh, a single person. And they wanted to reduce that to uh, around $22,000 uh, per patient uh, you know, for the year. And you know, everybody knows, regardless, even with, with any of those amounts, no one will be able to afford AIDS drugs. So we fought it, and um, they had several hearings in, in our state, uh, two in Miami, one in Tampa, one in Tallahassee, and AIDS Healthcare Foundation was instrumental in, in funneling people up to these different hearings. And we were actually able to, uh, to, uh, to get the state to realize that this wasn't an option. And, and, and to their credit, they didn't recommend to the, uh, the Rick Scott administration that they should uh, reduce the eligibility guidelines. So they didn't. We were able to keep enough people in. The Obama administration subsequently uh, funded the ADAP program nationally more, so uh, uh, Florida was able to stabilize somewhat. And that's how I got involved with uh, the advocacy work that I do now. And, and uh, I moved into the legislative, um, uh, and, and, and legislative affairs and policy uh, division of the company. And, and that's what I deal with now. I, I, I serve as a liaison to uh, not only our, our local and state government, but also to the federal government. And we, we deal with an array of, array of things, um, not only good policy for people with HIV and AIDS, but we also, um, you know, we, we, we deal uh, uh, very, very closely with the private sector, particularly with the pharmaceutical companies, to um, broaden access to medications. For people with HIV. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. Um, it is. Uh, we're going to go ahead and open the lines now. It's uh, if you would like to call in and uh, and you have a question uh, for for Jason or you have a comment, uh, please give us a call at three four seven two one five nine four four two. Be sure to press one. If you don't press one, then we're not going to know to bring you on, and then we won't. So um, if you need to press one, that will get our attention, and uh, we'll bring you on the air with Jason. Um, so, so, Jason, tell us, I, I mean, with, with everything that's going on at the uh, at the congressional level, at at the uh, in, in the House and Senate right now. Uh, where the sequester almost went through, um, but now we're, we've avoided the, the so-called fiscal crisis. And uh, with the President's um, Affordable Health Care Act, or a.k.a. Obamacare, um, what, what are the plans going forward? How are you guys going to uh, start factoring all of that in here in the United States? Well, some of the things we're looking at, um, you know, uh, the Affordable Care Act is going to broaden health care access to, uh, uh, you know, frankly, millions of people. Um, the thing we have to really look at is, the one, the viability of Ryan White, the necessity for, wine, for Ryan White, and how it applies to various states. You know, you're going to have – Blue states, if you will, pay, or, or states that are just going to uh, adopt the uh, expansion of Medicaid and um, you know very other very various other uh, forms of services. But you know you're going to have states, and uh, you know, and, and, and this is this is no uh, uh, this is no um, secret to anybody. But you're going to have states in the South uh, that just are not going to, uh, due to the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, going to uh, expand Medicaid. And what we have to look at is these are the places where Ryan White is going to be instrumental in continuing to protect these patients. Because whereas in some places like California, 
you know, Massachusetts, uh, you know, Oregon, you know, what have you, those places are going to have expanded Medicaid for patients. They're going to be able to utilize the expanded Medicaid, uh, you know, possibly the insurance, the insurance exchanges, and they're not going to have to continue to utilize the Ryan White program. That's going to alleviate some burden on the Ryan White program. But just in those states, you have to keep in mind this, some of the, you know, and, and, and I'll be frank, this, the southeast region of the country, these states aren't going to adopt the, the expanded Medicaid, Ryan White is going to be an, a, a, an utmost necessity in these places. So we have to look at reauthorizing Ryan White in a way that is particularly um, uh, defensive towards uh, uh, patients who are the most vulnerable here that would otherwise possibly be able to utilize expanded Medicaid but, but won't be able to because they live in these states. So Ryan White is going to be uh, still an important place. Uh, 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 it's still an important. Um, uh, it's going to have an important place um, in, in in these states. So we're looking at reauthorization. We're looking at what kinds of um, agencies should administer, you know, uh, the medical home. I mean, you, you, sh you should have an organization that is uh, medically advanced, that has cutting edge medicine. I mean, such as our organization and other organizations that that um, specialize in HIV care. Uh, medical care, uh, you know, serve as a medical home. I mean, we have to have organizations um, that are able to continue to work, collaborate with the Congressional Ryan White allocation that um, are able to serve as many people as possible, particularly uh, patients who are in rural communities of, of Florida and Alabama and Georgia and, you know, what, what, Louisiana, where, what, Arkansas, where have you. Um, <clears throat> We really have to look carefully at these places. I mean, the epidemic, um, it, 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 it's, it's occurring here in the southeast. This is where it's happening, and this is the place where Obamacare is going to have limited um, reaches, okay? So we need, we need to find out what can we do with Ryan White that's going to be um, the most effective and uh, the most accessible for patients here. Um, and, and, and we're working on working on that. Reauthorization is going to occur this year in the next couple of months. Our organization is—I I, I can't speak to it because we're not—we're not finished. But um, we're going to make suggestions to the Obama administration, the Obama administration, about uh, how to proceed with reauthorization. But um, it's going to be um, a necessity in this in this part of the country. Wow. Well, it seems like a lot of work needs to still be done as usual, right? Uh, well, that, that's, that, that, tends to, that tends to be that way. It's been like that for 30 years. <laughs> so it, it keeps on going. You know, um, the government, you know, uh, the Obama administration has been kind of strange about AIDS. Uh, you know, George Bush signed PEPFAR uh, into law. Um, the Obama administration actually siphoned money away from uh, PEPFAR and, and into the global fund, not to say that tuberculosis and malaria aren't also important things, but the Obama, administ the Obama administration has, uh, has been, you know, moderately negligent, uh, if I can, if I can uh, be, be so frank, about, uh, about AIDS. And, you know, granted, there are a lot of things he's dealing with that administration is dealing with, but Republicans have been particularly um, uh, supportive in, in this area. You know, uh, Marco Rubio, back during the ADAP crisis, um, wrote uh, a very uh, impressive letter to uh, Kathleen Sebelius, the uh, Secretary of the Health and, Health and Human Services, uh, to fully fund ADAP. Um, Bill Nelson finally followed suit. Um, you know, you had you had a Senator uh, 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 Coburn, uh, you know, you know, try to introduce uh, a law, um, you know, that would expand access to uh, HIV medications. I mean, you, you know, they they did they did some interesting things. The Democrats have the Democrats have their hands full of a bunch of different things, and and you know, obviously they're they're also very supportive of AIDS causes. But um, yeah, it's it's it's. It's a constant fight. Sometimes AHF gets a little bit of flack uh, because we, we, um, you know, in, in the eyes of some, bash the Obama administration. It's not about bashing. You know, we 
we go after equally any organ or any entity, federal, state, municipal, that uh, is not doing what they need to be doing to um, protect their constituents who have HIV. And uh, you know that goes. We're we're we're, we're an, e- an equal um, opportunistic offender. You know we 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 go after anyone. Organizations go after anyone who uh, who needs encouragement to do better uh, when it comes to HIV and AIDS policy. So we'll do that with the Obama administration and so forth. So, uh, so yes, it, it's a constant it, fight. So it, so that 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 I guess um, I I just want to ask. Is it always this antagonistic? It, you know, it's not always so antagonistic. You know, at, at the moment, you know, there was some. There, we, we, we were. Um, I don't want to say antagonistic. I want to say um, pressuring, perhaps. You know, you uh, you've mentioned that it's, it's, it's a constant fight. We're always fighting with someone. Um, but what about trying to find? You know, it. it and, you know, politics is politics, compromise, in, in many cases, when it works. As we can tell from those recent years, that I mean, our political folks haven't been all that. Our political leaders have been just kind of plain old sucky. But um, what is it that when you say we, we go after, we pressure, we fight, what is it that... AHF is really fighting for, if you will. Well, what we are fighting for is ultimately to get the most amount of people as possible on medication. Okay, There is a treatment cascade that demonstrates that less than a third of all those that are estimated to have HIV in this country are actually on treatment and have their virus under control. That is pathetic. Okay. I thought it was mm-hmm. less than that. Yeah, it, it is less than a third. It's, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's about 28 percent. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. It, it, it's, it is. It, 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 it's, uh, it's an abomination, frankly. Um, you know, and, and, and there are a lot of factors into why that factor into why this is. Um, and, and it's not just the government's fault. We can't say that. You know, the the larger issue here that um, we frequently don't talk about, uh, you know, is, uh, is is drug pricing. And this is something that AHF has been addressing for some time. It is a controversial topic. It is a topic that frequently organizations can't independently discuss. Um, and I understand why. And, you know, there's a lot of a lot of pharmaceutical. Uh, money influence in uh, in in uh, in the AIDS uh, family, if you will, and you know we we're we're fortunately or not fortunately, depending on I guess your perspective, but we're not subject to uh, to uh, pharmaceutical influence. And so be, be, because of that, we're able to really pressure pharmaceutical companies to what we're trying to do is get them to lower the prices, and, and we've we've gone after. Uh, an organization that's um, or a company that's uh, of uh, you know greater importance at this moment. Uh, their name is Gilead. Gilead Sciences. You know they make everything: Truvada, Atripla, Strybold, Complera, Viriad. You know you, you, they, everyone's taking one of their products in one form or another. Mm-hmm. They have a huge market share. Um, you know they have a new drug. Uh, incidentally, I take it because I wanted to be kind of a personal case study to AHF, and uh, it's a it's an effective drug. Um, it's not my preference. I'm probably going to uh, revert to what I was taking before, but um, uh, it's a it's a drug called Stridel. They charge twenty eight thousand five hundred dollars per year for this product. It's ridiculous. It contributes to an an endemic problem in this country in regards to rising healthcare costs. And payers, are, you know, are, are you know public payers especially not not only public payers, but also private payers are un. They're on an unsustainable path uh, towards insolvency. I mean, there's there's just no way. You already have um, Medicaid programs, state to state, that are reducing the reimbursement rates to to um, to, to providers because they're trying to manage their costs. So when you have a drug that the 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 the, the, the benchmark is twenty eight point five, 
$8,000, right? And, you, and, the, and that state Medicaid has to negotiate below that price. That is the benchmark. There's not a lot of negotiating room. So how do they make up for um, the costs of these drugs? Well, they have lower reimbursement rates here and there, and it pushes some providers out of business. They're going to stop taking Medicare, which thus puts uh, patients in a vulnerable state. You have patients who rely on Medicaid providers in rural communities and places where that's the only kind of physician they're able to see. And now you know, possibly they're no longer able to see them because they can't take any further uh, Medicaid patients because the reimbursement rates are so low. So, so it, it's... So sorry, go ahead. Say, uh, yeah, so, uh, so I just... I'm going to play devil's advocate because... <clears throat> You know, you got to have one of those on every talk show, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you say to the argument that you know these companies need the revenues and the profits in order to pay for research and development for new drugs? So here's the thing, and and then they justify the cost mm-hmm. of those drugs. What what do you say to that? Well, there's always there's always going to be that argument, and the problem is there's no transparency in actual research and development, although we know for a fact that the National Institutes of Health, among other federally uh, funded organizations, subsidize the research and development of these, uh, of these companies, especially when it comes to antiretroviral therapies. You know, RAND Corporation did a study of uh, uh, well, I shouldn't. I'm not sure if they did the study. I, I, they 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 um, they cited the study uh, that was uh, in a in a publication that they uh, recently published in a couple of years ago um, about an organization that studied uh, companies that uh, it was it was 19 different antiretroviral therapies, and what they discovered was <clears throat> this particular organization discovered that every single one. Uh, of these organizations actually uh, benefited from federal subsidies, if not also the research and development that occurred at the uh, the college level, the university level. Okay, so you have these 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 colleges that do all the work, and yes, at times there's going to be uh, you know contributions from pharmaceutical companies, but they do the work. The National Institutes of Health and other federal um, monies go to these universities to develop the product and then uh you know the pharmaceutical companies buy them and they profit astronomically once they buy the molecule once they buy the product they didn't do all the research and development yes there is some monetary contribution we can't deny that but the amount it's like you know the best way i could describe it is you know in in terms of coca-cola they created the coca-cola and you give them one can, but that person gets the entire company for the for the rest of their life. That's exactly what happens. And something that, that is very unique to the pharmaceutical companies uh, that is not really present in <clears throat> in many different industries is the this concept this concept of evergreening. And what they actually do is you have something, for instance, we'll, we'll use Truvada because this is actually very relevant right now. Truvada has been around for almost 10 years. Okay, I, I, I happen to take it in combination uh, with other therapies in the one pill that I take. Truvada, uh, they have, Gilead has repackaged it and put it in a new in a new formulation, and and they've done this several times. They did it with a Tripla, they've done it with Complera, and now with Strybuild. Strybuild is a, formerly known as Quad, is a drug that has four components. It's got emtricitabine and tenofovir, which makes Truvada. They have another component called Elvotegravir. It's an integrase inhibitor, a class of drugs that already exists. And they have a pharmacokinetic enhancer called Cobisostat, similar to Norvir. It has no anti-HIV properties whatsoever. All it does is allow the drugs to uh, uh, operate and function longer in your body, okay? to allow you to take the one pill once a day. It's it's innovative in the sense that you only have to take one pill once a day, but the the, the primary component, the base component, Truvada, has been around for so long, okay, it's about to go off patent, okay? They've made back their R&D, I assure you, okay? And, you know, we'll, 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 we could probably go into this, but, you know, the, 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 the upper administration of this company makes 
so much money in the millions, in the tens of millions of dollars. Okay, we as consumers and 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 taxpayers are subsidizing these uh, these executives' uh, compensation. But be that as it may, you know, just talking about the drug, the the price of this new drug, the components of this drug, Truvada is an old drug, but the fact that they've made all the money back from Truvada is not reflective in the price of this new product. They're taking the cost of Truvada, what it would be, what it, what it shouldn't be any longer, even past the time that it goes off patent, okay, is in the price of this new drug. Plus the new, uh, the new, uh, the new drug, Elvitegravir, plus the Cobisostat component. Basically what they're taking is the amounts that these drugs would potentially cost individually, and they're packaging it and pricing it into this one drug. It's, it's, it's a lot of money. It's a really nice car every year. Okay, it's an effective drug. Don't get me wrong, but but there is nothing about this drug that that justifies its price. Okay, when they did a clinical trial, it showed non-inferior non-inferiority to a tripla, which costs nearly twice as less. Okay, so wow. this is a company that is continuing to prolong the profitability of a decade-old decade drug. That concept, that practice, is known as evergreening. They're taking a drug that should no longer be profitable, and they're making it profitable by adding something new to it into a new compound. And that thing becomes patented and protected, and they're able to profit from that because they have exclusive rights to its production. So. Wow. They do this time and yeah. time again. It's yeah. absolutely unsustainable. But don't you we, think? But don't you think it's again devil's advocate? Don't you think that it's their prerogative and their right to do that as a as a company to make a profit? They have the absolute right to do it. That's our capitalist system. Yep. Whether or not it's right and ethical in the minds of the consumer is up for the consumers to decide. Yeah, and that's exactly. what we do as an advocacy association uh, nice. organization. Very good. Hey, we have, right, we well, actually have a caller on on uh, waiting on hold for us, so uh, let's bring that person on. Hi, uh, hello. You're on the air with Jason, Robert, and Jeremy. Hello. Are you there? All right. Doesn't look like you're on there. mine. So, um, <laughs> so keep going. No, you know, um, Jason, that's one thing that I love about Atop Care Foundation is that they are not afraid to go after the pharmaceutical companies that are basically gouging the prices and, and you know, creating these wait lists and creating, you know, reasons for people not to be able to get medications. So, I mean, the prices are so outrageously, it's ridiculous. I mean, I could not afford it if it wasn't for ADAPT. And I know um, AHF does a lot of, um, you know, I don't know if you want to call them protests or what, where you guys go in, you guys organize stuff for people to come out and march. How can the regular person who's sitting home listening to this come in and join you at these different marches? Is there a place on your website where they're listed, or how can somebody get involved with all that? Well, they can personally contact me if they want. Uh, if I'm allowed to on your show, I can give you my, my, my email address. Yeah, um, you can put it out there if you want. It, it, it's it's Jason. It's J-A-S-O-N dot K-I-N-G, that's Jason Dot King at AIDSHealth.org. So that's A-I-D-S uh, H-E-A-L-T-H dot org. And uh, anyone can co- contact me if they want to get further involved. Or you can go to uh, www.AIDSHealth.org and uh, we have a lot of information about how to get involved. You just go to the Advocacy tab in the uh, upper right-hand uh, section of the website. And, uh, you know, there's also a... Um, I want to make sure I get this right. I'm sitting in front of my computer right now. I believe it's togilead.org. Let's make sure. Uh, yes. So you can go to, and that's the number two, to Gilead. And Gilead is spelled G-I-L-E-A-D dot org. And you can go on there to see what it is we're exactly fighting. You know what? And, and, and let's be clear. You know, Gilead, um, they've, they've made some uh, innovative products in our day. You know, they've, They've really allowed HIV patients to uh, to have a quality of life that's unprecedented, especially uh, compared to the way people were living, uh, you know, decades from before us. But the problem is, we 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 just simply can't allow 
the kind of excess that's occurring now in the uh, pharmaceutical hey, Jason, industry. Can, I, I, I hate to, I hate to uh, stop you for just a second, but we are less than 30 seconds. Can you, um, and then we're going to be cut off, so. Well, we can just let them know. We'll finish the, the interview off air. If you guys want to listen to the rest of the interview that we're going to take off uh, towards the end of the show, you can just go and listen to the archives and fast forward to the end. But go ahead, Jason. I'm going to let you finish what you were saying, and then uh, we'll, we'll move on from there. Sure. If you guys want more information, please just email me, um, and you know we can discuss it further from there. Um, you know, we're we're here to just ultimately get as many people into care as possible. That's that's our primary goal. Uh, again, my name is Jason King. I'm the Legislative Affairs Manager for AIDS Healthcare Foundation in the Southern Bureau, and you can reach me at Jason J A S O N dot King K I N G at AIDSHealth dot org, and we'd be happy to help you in any way we can. Well, Jason, thanks so much for coming on, sharing your story, talking about AIDS Healthcare Foundation and all the important, you know, issues that that people living with HIV need to know and, and maybe we, we don't know. And that's you know what your organization does is it brings those um, those questions and those issues to the light so we can all see that. So I just want to thank you for all that, and you'll be hearing um, from me more. And uh, we'd like to have you come back on the show and talk more about you know the issues that that we don't always you know discuss. So I think it's important that we stay yeah. in touch. I got to I got to echo that too, Jason, because I, I think this was a great conversation, and uh, I think having you back on for another hour would be amazing. I'd be happy to do that. Great, thank you, guys. All right, Jason, you have a great night. You too. Take care. Thanks, man. Thanks, Bye-bye. Jason. And for more information on uh, myself and the radio show, you can uh, go to posim.org. And for more information on Jeremy Dunn, you can go to PositivelySpeaking.com. Jeremy, have you put up a blog lately? Silas needs no. I'm actually got one. Uh, I've got one in in outline right now that I'm getting ready to post in the next couple of days. So. Cool. So keep an eye on, on uh, Jeremy's uh, website, PositivelySpeaking.com, and we will be in touch. Uh, meet us back here next week at 9 p.m. and every other Sunday. We have some great guests coming up. Um, be sure to check the website for more information. Have a great night, everybody. Happy New Year. And, Jeremy, um, I'll speak to you in a week. We'll, we'll see you next week, everybody. Same time, same bat channel. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What's going on out here? We got changes to make. It's time to wake up for humanity's sake. Break the silence today before it's too late. AIDS is affecting us, disrespecting us. I'ma go get tested. It's a simple maneuver. It's not about the past. It's about my future. I'm not trying to miss it. I won't be a statistic, so I protect myself whenever I'm intimate. At this moment, I decided to have a plan. It's time to take a stand, because AIDS I'm greater than. This is Senior Chaos, and this was my deciding moment. Tell us yours at greaterthan.org.